Hello everyone and welcome to the 6 p.m. Bible study. We're glad to have you tonight. We welcome in those of you that are on podcast with us uh, from around the world who are downloading and studying along with us. This evening we're asking the question, what does it mean to actually be able to reign in this life? Our text comes from Romans chapter 5 and verse 17. And we're going to get there in just a second. Before we do that, we want to remind all of you that you can contact us at springston56 at gmail.com, mikespringstonministries.com, ffcma.org, or through Family Fellowship Chapel's direct messaging. We also want to remind you about our book, I Surrender, available through Amazon or in your local bookstores. Again, we appreciate you coming on with us. We pray the Word of God blesses you. And the revelation of God uplifts your heart as you open your heart to hear the words of truth. Let's have a word of prayer and then we will get into the scripture for this evening. Father, open our eyes that we can see and our ears that we can hear and our heart that we can understand what the word of God is saying to us. Then let us apply it to our lives so that we can be changed into the image of your dear son. Jesus, speak to us through the Holy Spirit. We will surrender, yield, and sanctify ourselves to that end. Show us what we need to know, do, understand, and demonstrate. And as you do, we will receive it, reveal it to your people. From there, we will be changed. We will be corrected. We will be led, and we will be guided into truth. And through it all, we will come into a deeper understanding of relationship with you. Now we thank you for all of it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Romans 5, 17, for if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Now this morning we spoke on the abundance of righteousness and the gift of Christ, uh, the gift of righteousness that came by him and the abundance of grace, and we showed you that that comes out of the third work of salvation, which is deliverance. So this evening we're going to pick up with Paul speaking in 1 Corinthians 9, 25 through 27. He said, And every man that striveth for mastery is tempered in all things, Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible crown. Now remember, coming out of the region of the damned, having gone there spiritually with Jesus Christ, we have been delivered and deposited our sin, all of it, in the region of the damned. The door has been locked behind us. So we come out of there operating in the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness that comes by the force of what Jesus accomplished beginning with the cross. Now, Paul says if a man strives for mastery, is temperate in all things, you must strive and identify the mechanism that will assure you a life of temperance. Now, temperance, as we mentioned, is self-restraint. When one comes from his encounter with Christ in the region of the damned, he comes out with an ability to restrain his flesh. 
He comes out and strives. He makes every effort. He does everything that he can possibly do to ensure that he operates his life in self-restraint. That means that he functions in Christ and the gift of the abundant grace and the gift of righteousness to absolutely control the appetites and the desires and the lusts and the affections that would have ever been associated or coordinated with the old nature. He operates in self-restraint. He restrains his own flesh. If he is capable of doing this, then he is, if he is not capable, now watch me here, if he is incapable of doing this mechanism of mastery through the idea of temperance or self-restraint, then he has not exercised by receiving the abundance of grace that is attached to the gift of righteousness. Why? Well, because simply he stopped in the development process in one of the two places prior to following Jesus in the spirit world into the region of the damned. More than likely, he has remained at the cross, probably because of teaching that gives credence to one's sin nature and one's bent to sin. These were all were all covered by the works of Jesus Christ and the replication of those works in us by the Holy Spirit. And this solidified as a condition of victory by the plan of salvation. Sin is not by any means, my friend, to rule your mortal body. But in so many Christians it does. It leads them around like a noose around their neck. And it causes them to waver and eventually make excuses for their behavior and be sucked into doctrines that as well make excuses for their behavior. Sin, my friend, is to be brought under the covering of deliverance. And man, man, you and I are to contend with sin on this basis. I've been delivered. I've been made free. I have the superabundance of grace that also brings with it the gift of righteousness. I've been delivered and I've changed clothes. My old nature is dead. I'm no longer looking to operate in the old nature. I am guarding myself against the old nature. So sin is brought under the covering of deliverance and man must contend with sin from the perspective of being delivered from it. He is delivered from sin, its affections, and its lust. Sin has a means of escape. And that means of escape is in the act of Jesus Christ, where he went 
into the region of the damned and was delivered and brought out the keys of death and hell. If we only understood this, we would be so much further along in our ability to master the enemy. I therefore, Paul said, so run not as uncertainty, so fight I not as one that beateth the air. Paul is saying, I know the enemy and I know who he or she is. I know what it is I'm looking for from the enemy. I know what my counter move will be when the enemy makes his move. You and me know the places in our lives where we absolutely need to be on guard. We know them, you know them. Don't act like they catch you off guard and you just fall into a sin and say, oh, Lord, forgive me. No, that's not true. You know where you're weak. You know where you're strong. And you know where the enemy is going to attack you. And you also know the counter move. The counter move is that you have been delivered from that old nature and have the ability to use the force of righteousness and the gift of grace, or the gift of more grace, or the gift of greater grace, or the gift of suspicious, sufficient grace to overcome every hurdle, trouble, problem that the enemy throws before you. You know what your counter move is. It is to go by grace into the righteousness of Jesus Christ and operate out of a new man. That's where your counter move is. That's where your escape is. Paul says, I've trained myself to live in the certainty. Now listen to this. I've trained myself, Paul said, to live in the certainty of the acts of Jesus, the reproduction of those acts in me, and the agreement of the plan of salvation for my ability to take my wants, my desires, my appetites, tights, my affections, my lusts, my pride, and put them down and step on their neck. I have that ability. Where did I get it? Out of the tomb, out of the resurrection, my friend. I was brought out and delivered from that old nature. That old nature is dead. And I put my foot on its neck so it can no longer even take a breath of air. I take the house of the wicked, knowing what it is he's trying to do to bring me under the condemnation of my old nature, and I put my knee on his neck, and I say to the old nature, you no longer have the right to breathe the air from the kingdom of his dear son. Think about it. I'm ready spiritually now for my flesh to turn on me and attack me. I'm ready. This is what Paul taught about from Romans 1 to Romans 7. I'm ready now because I know that I have the acts of Jesus Christ replicated in my spirit. And Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 5, the old man dies, the new man comes in, and the new man operates from righteousness. I know that in my flesh, the locations of things which the enemy 
is going to use to try and entrap me. Let me tell you some of those things. He's going to use lust of money. He's going to use sensual lust. He's going to use your desire and ability with regard to uh, your children or your husband or your job. He's going to come in and he's going to try to entrap you into making idols out of things, idols out of anything that you place at a high priority. Idols out of your children's baseball, basketball, or football. Idols out of your job. Idols out of your position. That's a big one. When I was working in the coaching industry, that was a major deal. I watched people operate out of normal character because they idolized what they thought being considered a winner meant. And when they lost, that idolization brought them into a complete darkness because they didn't understand that who they are is not in what they do. So we have to understand the areas where the devil will trap us, where the devil will make us bitter, where the devil will make us turn our ear in another direction, where the devil will say to us, now you really don't have to do that to be a Christian. You really don't have to pay tithe. You really don't have to go to church. Well, you don't have to read the word of God. You don't have to pray. You don't have to support the pastor. You don't have to support the uh, services at church. No, of course not. None of that is necessary. Why? Well, because it's all by grace. Remember grace? They'll entrap you right there. Because you will go into things that you now have a perception from a wrong spirit that makes you right. And all the while, you are driving your own idle wedge between you and God. You have to watch out, my friends. Because the devil is out here to ensnare you. He's out here to trap you. And when he traps you, and you begin to fall out with God, and fall out with your church, and fall out with your pastor, and fall out with your Sunday school teacher, eventually you'll fall out with your wife, and then you'll fall out with your children, then you'll fall out with your job. Whatever the case, it is a domino effect that always spirals into the things that become detrimental to you and you'll be entrapped. Paul then turned around in 1 Corinthians 9, 27 and said, but I keep under my body and bring it unto subjection, lest that by any means when I preach to others I myself should be a castaway. By the way, I see Charles and Alan on here. Hi, Uncle Al, you're still the kid's pal. Because I have followed the footsteps of Jesus, Paul says, I contend with my body. Now watch this, because this is going to be a revelation of which you don't want to miss. Paul is saying that because of where he's been and what has been reproduced in him, he knows that it is now his responsibility to take care of the attacks of the devil. Now some of you are praying about the things that are attacking you.
the lust, the affections, and all the things I mentioned earlier. And you're saying, God, take this away from me. <laughs> but God is saying to you, you take them away from yourself. You do that. You bring your body into the position of which the Holy Spirit has reproduced the acts of Jesus Christ in you. You do that. If you are actually having the reproduction of the Holy Spirit in you from the acts of Jesus Christ, then you are going to bring yourself under subjection. You are going to see because of what Jesus has already done and the Holy Spirit has reproduced in you, you're going to say, I can't do that anymore. I can't walk like that, talk like that, act like that, think like that. I cannot allow my mind to be overrun with such ungodly effects. So what do you do? You bring your body under subjection. You contend with the sin that tries to entrap you. God has made a way of escape. What do I do? Well, I'm going to use right now one of three components. I'm either going to use the cross to get forgiveness, or I'm going to use the tomb to bury my flesh, or I'm going to go to the region of the damned and operate in the reality of the abundant grace that's greater than I can act or think or even begin to consider because of the power that liveth and worketh in me. I'm going to go to the place where I have been delivered and lock the door behind me on my old nature. That's what I'm going to do. Now, Paul is saying that where he has been and what he's had reproduced in him, he now must be responsible for what? has been accomplished in him to take care of the acts of the devil. Listen to the word of God. The Bible said resist the devil and he'll free from you. Who? Who's going to resist the devil? You're going to resist the devil. Is this an action that God does? Or is this an action that you must do? Well, my friend, resisting the devil and taking control of your person and your body and your flesh is the application of the believer. Ephesians 4.27, neither give place to the devil. Is this an action of application by the believer, or is it an action of Jesus Christ? It is because of the action of Jesus Christ that his action has been reproduced in you, and therefore you have the ability to apply what has been reproduced in you to not give any place to the devil. If you're going to reign in life, my friend, you are going to have to understand how the scripture and the application of what Jesus has accomplished and the reproduction of what he has accomplished in you must be operated and it must be operated from you by you. 1 Peter 5, 9 and 10 said, Resist him steadfast in the faith. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. These issues, my friend, are common to man. Look at verse 10. But the God of all grace, there we go again, 
the God of a super abundant amount of grace, who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, who is the one who not only called us into eternal glory, but went through each step of the way to produce in us himself, and in the first three works produced his righteousness in us, clothed us with it, and gave us the ability to walk among men in a righteousness that was given and made by force of what he did and what the Holy Ghost reproduced in us. After you've suffered a little while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Now, why would we suffer a little while? Because there's going to come a training time. There's going to come an education time. There's going to come a learning time. You're going to have to learn how to function the plan of salvation. Huh? That's why I'm here. I'm here to tell you how to reign in life. I'm here to tell you how to function in the plan of salvation. Now, here we go. The God of all grace, or the God of the superabundance of grace, has called you unto his eternal glory by the works of Christ Jesus, by the works of uh, reproduced in the region of the damned, we can have the control of what we challenge and what we contend with for the ability to be a champion over. It may cause a little suffering as we learn, but if you will discipline yourself, look at what happens. He makes you perfect. He establishes you. He strengthens you. And he settles you. Who is the initiator of this transformation? Well, you and I are. Because Peter said we had to stand fast, therefore, in the faith. From where was it transmitted? It was transmitted from our relationship to the portion or the measure of the actions that Jesus Christ did in the region of the damned. When we do the disciplining, he comes in and then does the perfecting, the establishing and the settling. When we do the disciplining, we may struggle with it for a bit. But thank God, we are not left alone. He then comes in for our one action of discipline and provides three critical elements for the believer. He perfects you. That means he trains you how better to operate in his actions and in his reproductions and in the plan of salvation. When he does... You become established. Now all of your life operates from the action of Jesus, the reproduction of the Holy Spirit, and the plan of salvation. When you do, and you're established in that, then you can be settled. I can be at perfect peace because my mind is stayed upon him. Look at how I were being disciplined to do our part in the works in the economy of God. Bring about the very blessing of God. James 4 said, submit yourself to, to, uh, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now watch again. Verse 8. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you that were sinners. Cleanse them. 
Come out of the region of the damned delivered. Having laid off that sin, that weight of sin, leaving it there. Coming out of there with a purified heart. A delivered heart. A heart that's no longer poor, broken, bruised, blind, or held captive. Stop all of the other stuff, James says, of being double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep and let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. As you are aware, the sin of one man corrupted all men. But along came a man who exposed something to you and me that if we will simply learn to walk in, we do not have to make excuses for sin because our sin nature will be deposited in the region of the dam, the door locked, and we will come out dressed in a new robe of righteousness. We will come out operating as a child of the living God who meets the standard of God. This is a free gift, my friend, that Jesus has offered to everybody who will come through the plan of salvation. In that gift, those who would believe and accept this gift not only was righteous, but they became completely justified in the sight of God. Now I want you to see this because I think it's important for you to understand. Now watch me now. The prayer of a sinner is rejected by the Lord. You say, what, pastor? That can't be an accurate comment. The facts are that iniquity separates you from God according to Isaiah 59.2. So if you are sinning, if you are sinning, and regarding iniquity in your heart by sin and refuse to eliminate it, your prayer isn't going any further than the breath that's coming out of your mouth. Think about that. So in order for the prayer of one who is separated from God to be heard, he is operating from a stony heart full of iniquity and lawlessness. That person needs to be changed. Now, if you're calling yourself a Christian today and you are going through none of the plan of salvation except possibly the plan that is at the cross and you're saying, God, forgive me, but you are harboring lust, sensual lust, idle lust in your heart. Well, the scripture declares God's not hearing you because the only prayer that God is going to hear is a prayer of a heart that has been broken and the iniquity and the lawlessness that was keeping him separated from God has been broken and there is a convincing that that old man must die. Now, when that man dies, God begins to hear that prayer. 
The Holy Spirit has reproved him of sin. He has shown him sin. And that man sees the lawlessness and the iniquity that is eating up his heart. And he bows and he says, Lord, forgive me for lawlessness. I'm lost. I'm not only lost. I'm not only a candidate for hell. I'm full of lust, full of sensuality, full of idols. And I see that. And I bow myself before you and I ask you to forgive me of that. Now that broken and contrite heart, that's a prayer God hears. So I want to say this to you and I want you to hear me very clearly. If you're talking about being a Christian and you're regarding things in your heart that are a frame with iniquity or lawlessness, they are separating you and they are hindering your prayers. Now someone would say to me, yeah, but pastor, the rest of my life's going good. Oh yeah. I'm making money. Oh yeah. I, I, I seem to be doing well in all of my other issues. Oh yeah. I've already told you that's how the devil traps you. I've already told you that's how the devil traps you. At no point in time does having peace in your natural life equate to what's going on in your spirit world because you know your weaknesses and you know exactly where the sin is that's in your life. You know it. No one has to tell you. No preacher has to tell you. Actually, when a preacher does tell you, you get upset with it because you say, I got this. I got this. I'm good. I, I, I don't need to hear that from you. I'm grown. Sure you are. But you're being entrapped and ensnared by the devil because you're regarding things in your heart that you have no business and you know it. But you choose to function from that vein. You choose to. Now one cannot be justified by the work of Jesus and maintain iniquity in his heart. You'll never reign in life, my friend. Oh, you may have some smooth times. But you better be aware. Because pride, smoothness, and the peace of this world are always accompanied by fall. And what I've seen in my life is the bump on the bottom is a very difficult one. It's a very hard thing. And it's a hurtful thing. And when you fall and you hit the bottom so hard, and the peace that you thought was so tremendous all of a sudden becomes absolutely a tough trial. Well, then you go back to God. Now, but you will go back to God thinking you will walk on the same ground you did before you regarded iniquity and lawlessness in your heart. My friend, it won't work that way. You will have to come back and fix what it is that you destroyed. 
God did not destroy it. No man plucked you out of God's hand. You failed to keep your body, your life, your eyes, and your senses under subjection. And when you did, you entrapped and ensnared yourself and you didn't even realize it. Why? Because your life was smooth. But then all of a sudden came the edge. And you tried to stay away from it, but you fell over it. And the bang at the bottom was dynamic. Now what? Well, now you're going to have to go back. And you're going to have to redevelop everything that your preacher is telling you. You're going to have to get the iniquity and the lawless taken care of all over again. Why? Why? Because my people die for lack of knowledge. My people are rejected for lack of knowledge. My people don't move into the priesthood because of lack of knowledge. Yeah. We fail to listen. And when we fail to listen, we fail to learn. When we fail to learn, we fail to be disciplined enough to take the time to put ourselves in a spiritual condition that reflects the transmission of truth. And in so doing, the devil sits and waits. He waits. He waits. And then the issues. My friend, you do not have to be there. I have told you how to get from the cross to the tomb to being delivered from that old sin nature. From being able to live in the peace of keeping your body under subjection because you know who the enemy is and the enemy is you. You're your own enemy. Your body, your mind is your own enemy. Bring them under subjection. Bring them and cause them by disciplining yourself to be able to allow the Spirit of God to strengthen you, to establish you, and ultimately settle you. This is yours. All you have to do, all, is follow the plan and actions of Jesus and allow the Holy Ghost to reproduce those actions in you and then understand how they correlate to the plan of salvation. If you do, you will find strength. You will find the ability for Him to establish you in your ways and then for Him to settle your life so that there is peace that comes from a disciplined lifestyle found by the abundance, the superabundance of grace and the very gift of meeting in this life the standard of righteousness that is in the actions of Jesus, the reproduction of the Spirit, and the plan of salvation meant, produced, guided, and directed to you. Father, I thank you for the Word of God. Open our eyes that we may see so that we can understand truth so that we can live this life in righteousness and be 
an absolute overcomer. First, overcoming ourselves. We give you praise and honor and glory for all of it in the lovely name of Jesus. Amen and amen. I want to say hello to Susan and Jim, Alan, Charles, and anybody else that didn't sign in. May God bless you. And we will look forward to Wednesday night. God bless you until we speak again. All of our podcast friends, may God richly bless you. Find Jesus as Lord, and there you'll find Him being exalted over everything in your life that has a name. Find Him as the man in the Godhead. When you do, He'll show you great and mighty things that are to come. May God richly bless you until we speak again.